Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And as you're turning, I just want to give a personal word of thanks uh, to a lot of you um, who have been praying for Sherry this week and for me as I've been helping take care of her and as she's recovering well from her surgery. And um, if you didn't hear about that or know about that, it's not too late to jump in. Pray for her, please. Uh, she still has a, a challenge ahead of her, and uh, the Lord's helping tremendously. And uh, again, just thanks so much for, uh, for your prayers and your encouragement uh, to her over this week as, uh, as she continues. It was a hip replacement surgery, and she'd been dealing with that issue for um, a long time. And so it's um, extra hard to recover when your muscles, certain muscles haven't been working for 10 years and that kind of thing. Uh, it's, it's hard to get them going again. So uh, she has some challenges, but again, the Lord's blessing her the last couple of days have been a lot less pain, less length of pain and better walking and better rest and all those kind of things. So praise God for that. And thank you uh, for the part you're playing in it. Now, second Thessalonians chapter three, um, verses one through five, as we consider even more what we were just singing as the apostle Paul enlists his Thessalonian friends, brothers and sisters to help him. Finally, brothers, verse one of second Thessalonians three, finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you and pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Again, verse 2. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. Last week we, were, we looked at the instruction, the admonition to pray for the message itself, the word of God. To go fast, to, to go thoroughly, to be received well, and, and to pray for the hearts of those that are receiving it. And now he shifts gears just slightly and says, also, while you're praying for that, also pray for us. And he's speaking of himself and his companions who are busy, who are committed to sharing the gospel in places where it had never gone before, like Thessalonica, like he had just done the, not too long before in, in their own situation. And they would remember, as he mentions this prayer request, they would remember that there were some evil and wicked men in, in their city who didn't want to hear this stuff and who persecuted them. In fact, Paul couldn't stay there very long. You'll read about that in the, in, the, in the book of Acts. I would encourage you, as we talk about this subject, take some time this week to read the book of Acts and see the difficulties that people went through facing wicked and evil men who, do, who did not have the faith and who were not interested in the faith and the persecutions that they brought on the people. It was real stuff. And I want you to remember, it's real stuff today too. This, the picture that I'm wearing on my shirt is, is of, a, of people who went to some evil and wicked men 
and, and, and were killed for it. There's a, uh, back in the day, there was a, uh, back in these days, there was a new magazine in 1956 called Life Magazine. Some of you remember that magazine. It still comes out occasionally, I think. I don't know if it's a regular um, publication anymore, but it comes out with some, some special things. But in the first year of its publication, this, this story took place. And they covered that story and said, uh, I think that one of the headlines in, the, in one of the articles was, uh, go forth and preach. Five did and five died. That was speaking of these five guys. So that happened in 1956. But that kind of thing is still happening today. It's estimated that throughout the world, in any given year, around 100,000 people die because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, a lot, of, a lot more Christians than that die every year just from dying. Just because these bodies wear out and, 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 and finally die. But somewhere around 100,000 people every year, believers, people just like us, die primarily because they believe in Jesus. That's the reason. They're, they're killed in various ways, in various places around the world. And, and that's why I was praying this morning specifically for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Because as the transition takes place in that country, it is going to be horrendous for our brothers and sisters in Christ there. Horrendous. Um, it's, it's, it's a terrible situation that's happening. And we need to be in prayer. Just as the Apostle Paul asked us to pray for him and his companions, or asked the Thessalonians to pray for him and his companions, we can take this directly, recognizing the truth of it 2,000 years ago, and pray specifically for those who are sharing their faith in places where evil prevails. Now, it's getting harder and harder in our own country as we share our faith. Thank the Lord it hasn't gotten to the point here where people are dying regularly because of their faith in Christ. It doesn't mean it won't happen. It doesn't mean it can't happen, but it's something that we should continue to pray for. Those of you who, are, who participate in our prayer meeting on Wednesday nights will know that we regularly, regularly pray on that night for our country and for our rights as believers to be protected in this country. That's, that's something that we can do that relates to this to keep these kinds of things from happening in our own country. But around the world, these kinds of things are still happening. Some of those that we support um, financially and prayerfully as, as missionaries are going through these kinds of persecutions. They're, they're sharing their faith. They're, they're planting churches in some of these kinds of places. And we need to remember to pray. The Apostle Paul saw the, saw the partnership of the body of Christ in, in this ministry of prayer as critically important. There was a time when, and, and again, you read about these things in the book of Acts, but there was a time when the Apostle Paul was being persecuted so severely. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, excuse me, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, I want to, I want to inform you, brothers, that, well, let's look at it. Go ahead and turn to it. First, uh, Second Corinthians chapter one. This uh, this puts some uh, some story to what he's talking about to the Thessalonians. 
This starts, I want to start with verse uh, 6. Start with verse 8. 2 Corinthians 1.8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. Now, when he's talking about hardships, he's not just talking about like it was a long way from place to place and we had to walk and it was hot and, and all that kind of stuff. That was all true, too. He wasn't talking about the fact that he was having to sleep on the floor or the ground or those kind of hardships. That was happening, but that's not what he's talking about. He was talking about hardships, as you read in the book of Acts, where he was literally stoned and left for dead on, out in the road. That kind of hardships. So he wants to let them know, hey, this is, this is the kind of stuff that was happening. He says, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. You ever been there where you just felt like you couldn't take one more thing? Couldn't, and that's where he was. So that we despaired even of life. Now it's getting pretty severe when you, when you say that. That's, that's what, we, what the depth, the, the difficulty that he was facing. He said, indeed, our, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. And he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers. He's talking, this is a whole different group of Christians he's talking to in Corinth. Asking the same thing. Then, here's what happens with prayer. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. You You see what he was shooting for? Praise to God. He's not only concerned about being delivered from these wicked men who are persecuting, who are, who are fighting, who are, who, are, who are trying to stop him at every turn. He's not, he's not only concerned about being delivered from them, although that's certainly high on his priority list. He, he wants to be delivered from them. But remember, remember his attitude. Remember what he said in Philippians chapter 1. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So it's not like he was afraid of dying. It wasn't that he was trying to avoid death. Because he knew the moment, he wrote this also in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he knew the moment that he died, the moment that he was killed for his faith or died of old age, whichever, he knew that the moment that he was dead in this body, he was going to be in the presence of the Lord in that moment. He knew that. So he wasn't afraid of that. He was looking forward to that, in fact. But he wanted the Corinthians and he wanted the Thessalonians to pray for, for him and his companions as they faced these difficulties, these persecutions, these threats of death, these, these attacks. I mean, it doesn't get much worse. I mean, only, only in death does it get worse than being stoned and left for dead. That's, that's as far as you can go and still, and still be delivered. And he'd experienced that in more than one occasion and other kinds of persecutions as well. But his main concern wasn't his own safety. His main concern 
was that as people were praying for him, when he was delivered, that God would receive glory and praise and honor for that deliverance. Spreading out the the news of what his need was so that he could report back, hey, the Lord answered our prayers. We were delivered or we were protected. Praise his name because that's the goal. That's what we're here for. Not just here now, although we do that here, we praise him here. That's, that's our goal in life. We want to be praisers. We want to be people who regularly, constantly are, pray, are praising God. And one of the greatest means, one of the greatest methods, one of the greatest ammunitions that God gives us for praise is answers to prayer. And there's no greater answer to prayer, no greater praise that comes from our mouths and from our hearts than when we pray for somebody to be protected and delivered from evil and wicked men who don't have faith and, and, for, and for people to, to be able to prosper in that, for people to be successful in their ministries. Now, remember this. This is just reality. When we pray for God's deliverance of those who are facing persecutions, God doesn't always deliver them by, by protecting them so they're not killed. This, this t-shirt's a testimony to that. The Apostle James is an example of that. One of the first deacons, Stephen, is an example of that. Again, read about them in the book of Acts. They died under these persecutions. In fact, the Apostle Paul, the writer of this prayer request was overseeing the stoning of Stephen as an unbeliever, as a wicked and evil man who did not have the faith. So he, he knew from both sides of the, of, the, of the equation what this is about. He was bound and determined to kill Christians, and he did so, Stephen being one of them. And we, and we say, well, wait a minute then. If God's going to bring, you know, save, you know, keep some of them and deliver some of them, and he's going to let some of them die, why we... Why is he once praying about this? Well, for one thing, I already mentioned, so that we'll praise him. Certainly that we'll praise him when he answers and delivers people like the Afghanis. As we pray, we're going we're to read some stories of some of them who are going to be delivered, and we're going to praise God because, even more because we are praying for them. We're also going to hear about some Afghanis who don't make it, who are going to be killed, as well as many, you know, other places around the world, in Africa and the Middle East and Southeast Asia, different places in China, all different kinds of places where people are losing their lives for this. Remember, God has his plans and God has his ways. And there are times, like in the, in the, in the death ministries, because remember that there is ministry in death when we're believers in Christ. Jesus was very specific about that through through the, um, through the Apostle John. Very interesting story in, in John 21. Jesus is talking to Peter. And he tells him specifically that he's going to die for his faith. That, he's, that his, the persecutions that he's going to face are going to end in his death. He doesn't tell him when. Doesn't give him all the specifics. But he, but he tells him specifically... And here's the way that John writes it down in John 21. He says, by saying this, 
Jesus indicated the type of death by which Peter would glorify God. That's an amazing statement. You see, our death is ministry also. And and it's not morbid. It's sad, it's tragic, and it causes pain, but it's not morbid because as soon as Peter was crucified and probably upside down because he, he didn't feel worthy, the tradition has it, he didn't feel worthy to be killed like his Savior was, so he requested to be crucified upside down. That may have happened. Immediately after he died, he was in the presence of the Lord. So, there, so just like I was sharing with the children, you know, it's a sad story about these guys dying. But on the other hand, it's not sad because of where they are and where they instantly were and how God provided and took care of their families, even in their grief, even in their sadness, even in the fact that those five dads were no longer dads and husbands and, and those kind of things for their, for their families. God still provided. God still took care of them. God still used them. God did amazing things through these families. There are times when we pray and God has another plan than what we're praying for. He addresses that issue. And I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter, uh, Romans chapter 8 um, very briefly. Just to understand how this, how this works in our prayers. In Romans chapter 8. Verse 26. Well, I'll start with verse 25. Excuse me, verse 15. (laughs) Give me a break. It's a little dark up here. All right. I just need light. I need more light. I can see fine. I just need more light. For you did not receive, this is those of us who believe, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you receive the spirit of sonship. And by him, the spirit, we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings, and remember, when he talks about sufferings, he's not talking about hangnails. Now, those are sufferings. I've had them. But he's talking about even more than that. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, 
But we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. He says it's getting better, folks. It's getting better. Now verse 24. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. That should give us tremendous confidence as we pray. Knowing from the Word of God that sometimes when we pray specifically for the Apostle Paul, and if, again, if he was alive now, we pray, prayed specifically for the Apostle Paul to be delivered as he's asking for prayer, knowing, we know from the Word of God now, that one of these persecutions is going to end in his death. Does that mean we shouldn't have been praying for his, for his deliverance? No, because every deliverance that happened was going to cause us to praise God, which God wants us to be doing. But then also, when it, it happens, as it did in Paul's life, as it did in James' life, as it did in Peter's life, even when they were killed for their faith, and believers were praying for them, the believers could still praise God because they know, according to God's word that I just read to you, they know that their prayers were answered. They were praying for deliverance, but it was God's will and the Spirit knew that and took our prayers, translated them, I'll call it, according to the will of God, and took our prayers correctly, correctly offered, even though we didn't know exactly what God wanted in, this, in the circumstance. He took those prayers as he did. the. We'll use the example of the wives of, the, of these five men as they prayed and prayed for those five days for their husbands to be safe. They were able to praise God even upon the news of their death because the Holy Spirit had taken their prayers, translated them into the will of God, and delivered those men unto eternity. Into pray, for, for their eternal praise and glory of God. And the results of what happened in these five guys, the results that happened after Peter was killed, after Paul was killed, the, the results were amazing. So many people gave their, their lives to the work of God after these five guys in 1956 died. The, the number of, of, of missionary recruits for mission organizations just increased dramatically. The, the contributions to those organizations increased dramatically. Amazing things happened. Even the tribe that they were trying to reach, that they were killed trying to reach, even that tribe came to faith in Christ in large numbers. As I mentioned to the children, even some of the very killers of those men ended up being leaders in that church. They're, they are... They are surrounding the throne of Christ right now in glory together 
as many of them have already passed away. Those kinds of things happen even when the person that we're praying for, the group that we're praying for, is not delivered. We don't let that fact stop us from praying. God has ordained prayer for our own relationship with him and for the way that he works. He uses our prayers. Whether, whether our prayers are answered the way that we design them and, and want them to be answered, or the, even the way that the, the person asking for prayer designs. Because here the Apostle Paul is designing the prayer. He's saying, pray that we might be delivered. Knowing that it might be the Lord's will this time for him not to be delivered. But even if he's not, he knew that he would be. And see, that's, that's something that only we can say. Only we can say that. Because of the hope that we have in Christ. That even if, as, as we prayed with the children this morning, even if some of the Afghanis are not delivered and die, they're still going to be delivered. That's a victory that we can also praise the Lord for. We will praise him for their deliverance and we will praise him for their deliverance. Whichever route the Lord chooses to to do the most for his glory and for the building up of his body in this world. Because he's going to do that. And he's decided in his wisdom and in his grace to use us, his children, his people, to accomplish these things in prayer. So that all of us, as the results of these things come forth, that all of us will join together in praise of his name for his greatness, for his work in answering these prayers. Be a part of that. Be a part of that by being someone who prays for these people. Oh, we don't have to pray for the Apostle Paul and his companions. They're already in glory. But there are a lot of people that we read about, that we know personally, that need us to pray for their deliverance because they are working with evil, godless men and women who would, who would rather them be dead than to continue listening to the message of the gospel. There, there are young people putting their trust in Christ somewhere today who when their families and their fathers find out what they've done, they'll try to kill them. And some won't be successful. We need to pray for them. That they'll be delivered from these godless, evil, faithless men and women. And then regardless of what the will of the Lord is regarding our prayers for them, we will praise God for his faithfulness. We will praise God for his ability to even turn the worst things into wonderful things. But we need to be a a body. We need to be a church. We need to be a, a group of believers who are praying for these things so that when we hear the reports, it'll be not only in the answer to prayers of others, but it'll be in the answer to our prayers. 
That was the Apostle Paul's desire. That was his goal in sharing all of these things. Sometimes, we, sometimes we're, we're quiet about our needs. Now we don't want to make a big deal out of things. But in doing so, not sharing what our needs are, we're robbing God's people of opportunities to pray so that they can even glorify him more when those prayers are answered. We need to remember that in the body of Christ. Now, that's on all subjects. That's not just in regard to persecution, but especially in regard to persecution. These are, these are some of the most important prayers that we can pray. And we have great access now uh, through the internet. We have such great access to find out what's going on around the world and how we can be praying for people in various circumstances and situations. We need to take advantage of that. But also, pay attention to the, prayer, you know, to the mission prayer list that Mark produces and publishies on the website and, and on, our, on our wall and in our, in our prayer meeting. There, our missionaries are, are providing us some of these stories as well of people that we can be praying for, that they're working with, that they're living with, that they're in correspondence with, that they know personally that need our prayers in these regards. But all of this is said to, to, for one thing. To remind us as believers in Christ, we have access to Almighty God. And as we take advantage of that access, we have more and more and more reasons to give him honor and praise and glory because he is at work. And he uses us in our relationship with him, in our prayers to him. He uses us to accomplish his work. And that is amazing. And that alone is reason to give him praise. Now, if you're not a believer in Christ, you fit into this message in a couple of ways. First of all, did you notice that these evil and, and godless men that he's referring to that are, that are working against him, he says, they do not have the faith. That's, that's, that's their biggest problem. It isn't the mean stuff they're doing. It's the fact they don't have faith. And, and we've already prayed for them according to verse 1. You need faith. You need to put your trust in Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that, do that. I, I was able to uh, watch the funeral of Coach Bobby Bowden yesterday. Some of you might have been watching that as well. Great football coach, but, but a, greater, a greater man of God. Time and time again, all the people that, that spoke, all of his former players and coaches, they all talked about his faith in Christ. That was the most important thing to him. And, and one of their players one year died, tragically. And they were so sad. And they had their team meeting the next day, and they were all sitting in their places, and there's this empty chair, you know, where, the, where that guy belonged. And, and coach said, guys, the most important thing isn't whether we win the national championship this year or whether we win the conference or whether we win this next game or whatever. He said, I want to make sure that all you guys know Jesus because we don't know how long we have. And standing in the back of the room was one of his assistant coaches who was telling the story at his funeral. And that assistant coach went to, coaches, went to the head coach's office after, later that day said, Coach, you were talking to me, man. I don't know Jesus. I need faith. And the coach led him to faith in Christ right there. 
because that's the most important thing. It isn't, it isn't what, our, what our record is. It, was, it isn't what our checkbook account is. It isn't any of those things. It isn't what other people think. It's do we know Jesus Christ? Do we have faith? The people that, that the Apostle Paul was trying so hard to reach, they needed faith. The people that were working against him, they needed faith. We have people like that in our lives. We have people like that in our families. We may be the person that's like that right now that doesn't have faith. Put your trust in Jesus. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till things, till, till things get better in your life. Don't wait till you start doing better. Don't wait till you clean up your act. Don't wait till you stop sinning so much. Put your trust in Jesus now. He died so that you could be forgiven of your sins. That's your problem. You need to be forgiven of your sins, and only Jesus can do that. Put your trust in him today. Don't wait. Say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that when you died on that cross, you died for me. I believe that you rose again from the dead and that you're going to give me eternal life with the Apostle Paul, with the Apostle Peter, with all the saints that we read about in the Scripture, with all the, all the people that have already died and gone before us. I know that you're going to do that for me because of the promises that you've made. Put your trust in Jesus today. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done for us in Jesus. We thank you for those men you chose, your apostles. And we thank you for picking Paul, the most unlikely of all of them. After he'd already been a murderer of your people, you picked him out of that group and appointed him to go and tell others and plant churches, and he did it. And you delivered him time and time and time again from the hands of these evil, wicked men who didn't have faith. And many of them put their trust in Jesus through the process of knowing him. Father, we thank you for his admonition by your inspiration to call us to prayer for people who are on those in those difficult places, in those difficult circumstances, that you would deliver them as you delivered him. Help us to commit ourselves, Father, to use this access that we have to you to pray about these important things. Not only to see them delivered, but also that we can praise you for the answers that you give to our prayers. And Father, we thank you for the hope that we have that even if our deliverance is unto glory, if it ends in our death, that we can praise you, that we will praise you forever because of the life that you give in Christ. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.